0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Smashed from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Mo Brady. And I'm Aaron Albano. Welcome back, listeners, to our tongue-in-cheek recap of what is still television's most realistic depiction of the theater industry. And yes, we are talking about Smash, the television show that chronicled the making of not one, but two Broadway musicals and all
1: the drama that ensued along the way. We've been going back, episode by episode, to see how this supposed love letter to Broadway has held up over the past decade. In each episode, we're looking to find the answers to these three questions. Did it represent Broadway then? Does it represent Broadway now?
0: And... Is this any good? So let's dive in and talk about
1: episode nine of season two, The Parents. Aaron, give us the stats. The Parents premiered on April 2nd, 2013. So happy belated April Fools.
0: That's what I've always thought what I've thought about this episode.
1: (laughs) Mm. Um, It was written by Jordan Ardino and directed by Trisha Brock, both new to the Smash family. Uh, the viewership fell again this week, this time by 70,000 viewers for a total of 2.98 million. 2.98 million is still so many people. It is so many people. It's a lot of people. It's just a lot less than 11.96 million from the premiere of season one. So Yeah, also true. <laughs> uh-huh. We had only three featured songs this week, but they were all originals. From Hit List, we had Catherine McPhee's rendition of Broadway Here I Come, and another Andrew McMahon original entitled Reach For Me, sung and swung by Krista Rodriguez. From Bombshell, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman delivered the mother and daughter duet called Hang the Moon, performed by Macon Hilty and Bernadette Peters. And what happened in The Parents, mo? The
0: role of Marilyn's mother Gladys has finally been cast, and rather than going with Patty Lapone, Eileen and Tom have gone with someone a little closer to home, Ivy's mother. The Broadway star, Lee Conroy, is stepping out of retirement to play the role only she could play. <laughs> but Ivy can only feign excitement about the casting, as her relationship with Lee is filled with competition. Like- Karen's dad is also in town on business, but it means he can stop by Hitlist Rehearsal and attend the theater's gala that evening. Since the gala is Hitlist's introduction to the board members and theater patrons, Scott Nichols wants to add the Divas number to the gala performance to give it some punch. In Bombshell Rehearsal, Ivy and Lee are dealing with the tension by being nice to each other, too nice, in fact, that they aren't playing any of the stakes of the book scenes. That is, until they begin to tell disparaging stories about each other in front of the entire company. Goodness. But in performing a heartfelt ballad called Hang the Moon, both pairs of Gladys and Marilyn, as well as Lee and Ivy, seem to feel empathy for one another. The song makes Marilyn, Ivy, and Julia all cry. At the Manhattan Theatre Workshops Gala, Karen's rendition of Broadway Here I Come goes well, but it's Anna's gravity-defying performance of Reach for Me on Silks that brings the house down. And when the arts editor of the New York Times commends Anna's performance, Scott Nichols wants to make her character bigger. And who does he ask to help to work as dramaturg to make it happen? But bombshell writer Julia. Because she's not busy. She's not busy at all. And while Karen's dad isn't initially behind her leaving bombshell, after her gala performance, he can see why she would both make the jump to hit list and be interested in Jimmy. But Jimmy is having his own problems, including stealing from the gala's coach check to pay off a drug dealer. I'm reaching out for you. I'm reaching out. How'd you like this episode, Mo? <laughs> I did not like this episode. I thought this episode was just blah. It like was we great.
1: Gonna- I, I'm there with you. I mean, even from the get, I was like, oh, what are we doing?
0: Well, even, even the show doesn't seem that interesting. It's like we're finally delving into Anna's story. And I am a Krista Rodriguez stan. I love Krista. I think she can is an incredible performer in so many ways. And yet... Like somehow, like making the focus on Anna, I was like, oh, well, this isn't really the story we're telling.
1: I yeah. guess. We're- <laughs> I mean, and Bernadette Peters was here too, and yet I couldn't invest because maybe because I was so like disgusted by Lee Conroy at that point. She's not a very likable character for no. sure. No, especially since we've had such a journey with Ivy and getting on board with her and how far she's come. That the reintroduction of Lee Conroy just made me sad for Ivy. <laughs> I think what you're getting at is that.
0: The ancillary characters were sort of the leads of this episode, so it felt, like, superfluous to the trajectory of Smash. Because the main characters of this episode were Dylan Baker as Karen's dad, who is a great actor. Yes. Very, very wonderful performer. Absolutely. Anna and Lee Conroy, right? Those were, like, kind of the three big characters of this episode,
1: and we were like, oh... And maybe it's also because you've been saying forever that like smash can't trust the drama of the show itself and has to rely on or wants to rely on the drama of outside stuff but the fact that the show is called the parents like talk about drama that has nothing to do with the shows at all Mm -hmm. yeah maybe that's why i couldn't i just couldn't (laughs) i just couldn't
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, in addition, I think we should mention that one of the reasons that I didn't love this episode was because chorus shaming was back. Oh my gosh. From our favorite. I was so upset. Why does Sam have to say this? It didn't, it didn't like pay off in the end. You know, it wasn't like Sam. Okay. So Sam says about probably a third of the way through the episode. I wish I was starring on Broadway instead of in the ensemble. Not even in the ensemble, a cover for the ensemble. Like, and so
1: (laughs) upset, just so angry and so bitter. I mean, and I get be be bitter at your ex-boyfriend for for like dangling a carrot in front of your face. But to then say that like we be- just had like a speech from him, one of his last appearances on Smash in in season 1 where he's like this is what I love to do. This is what I want right. to do. This is my- performing is my passion. One of the best Yeah. Episodes. And then we get here where no one's
0: safe, not even Sam not even Sam from I was just the core so of shaming. And
1: is he, so he's swinging the show now? I thought the swings were cast. What happened?
0: I don't think he's in the show. I think he's like So he I'm pretty sure walking. he is because he's
1: chilling in the re- rehearsal space. He's in the rehearsal room? Yeah. He's Wait, in the rehearsal room. He's at, no, like, another table. No, because Ju- Julia told us in the last episode, even the swings are higher. Apparently someone got fired because— I
0: honestly thought he was just walking Ivy to rehearsal. I didn't see him in the rehearsal room. I so. thought he
1: was, too. And then he, like, was there for the Lee Conroy oh, ambush. Oh, right. Yes, and then, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and then he was in the room, like, sitting on stairs, talking to Tom about how bad of a move that was. Oh,
0: you're so right. I was
1: wrong. Yeah, he's swinging the sh- and then he and then when they're running one of the numbers, Sam is like sitting at the swing table with apparently the other swing that's in the show. Can we talk about how it doesn't feel Like, we're in production for anything? Yeah, let's talk about
0: that. It is the week before tech. It's the week before tech for a Broadway musical, a Uh new Broadway musical. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I had so many questions when Julia dropped that bomb. I was like, okay, if this is the week before tech...
0: Right, so um, take us back, Aaron, to your illustrious Broadway career (laughs) before theater stopped happening. (laughs) What... Is typically happening in a Broadway rehearsal process the week before tech.
1: Well, the week before tech, I would say we're putting the show together at that point. Like, we're running the show every day. We're just so we could get like the stamina to get it in, and everybody can see the entire, like, all of the different departments of the production to see the show on its feet, to see what wigs needs to do and what costumes needs to handle and lighting needs to focus on. And so they're getting to watch runs of the show to see what they have to prepare for for the next step, which is tech.
0: Right. And another thing that I think about is like press previews, like the the idea that like this is the time where you come and you bring in Playbill and Broadway World and they all bring in their cameras and you do like three numbers for them. Oh, for sure. And and you're like, hey, everybody, the show's going to happen. The, the, the get a glimpse of what it's going to look like, right? Oh yeah, you're not you're not casting leading roles. Oh, yeah, we were
1: not casting <laughs> a leading lady and a swing.
0: Or if we were, wouldn't that have been great drama to know about? Wouldn't that have been the drama of Smash? Was the fact that we don't have uh, one of our leading ladies and we still need to hire a swing? Like that could have been the drama of the show, not yeah. you
1: know parental drama. <laughs> Well, and plus, I'm just like, if we're focused on this new mom scene that now we get to watch, what's the rest of the ensemble doing? Just like sitting in the back, watching the show? Yeah,
0: the fact that I think of musicals typically having, like, three rehearsal rooms, uh-huh. basically. There's, like, a main rehearsal room where everything gets put together, and then there's, like, another room that's probably almost as big, but that could be, like, a room for choreography brush-up or for table work, sort of like the secondary staging room, and then and then a music room yeah. that's primarily for, like... S- sitting around, um, maybe some smaller table work, and session. maybe some like
1: some some fittings because they need to do some fittings or some shoe, some shoe fittings or whatever. But but right. my favorite thing is because I've been thinking about this since Derek signed those contracts to let them use his choreography. I was like, that was a while ago, and if Derek's not in the room anymore because he's du- he's busy with Hit List, is anyone maintaining the choreography of the show? In which case, shouldn't, like, if the ensemble isn't being used, shouldn't they be in another room, like, running the numbers? Especially if we have a new swing that needs to learn the numbers? (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, the
0: ensemble would never, they would never let the ensemble just, like, sit there and twiddle their thumbs and, like, Bobby and Jessica watch the whole thing. They would be working you to the bone. Especially this late in the
1: game. Especially the week before tech. I'm like, what are you doing? It's, it's yeah, and so that's where I was just like, I don't, I don't know what's happening,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of lack of drama in the right places, let's talk about Ivy and Lee as Marilyn and Gladys. okay. What did you think about the ambush of Ivy Lynn?
1: That was so rude. That was so <laughs> rude. I mean, maybe some of it's Ivy's fault for not answering,
0: but oh right. she's like missed all of these phone calls from her mom from she's, her mother like, purpose- yeah, but
1: a when when i when Ivy and Sam dropped that. Lee didn't even come to the opening of liaisons, Oof. I was already not on board with Lee Conroy. <laughs> no,
0: that seems so rough. That's like, wouldn't ugly. You,
1: that is ugly.
0: Wouldn't you even like feign e- excitement? Yeah, there's, it's hard to justify that for any reason yeah. and other so than jealousy. Do you think that the plan from Eileen and Tom was that Lee was going to tell her? Like, do you think the reason that they didn't tell her in advance was because Lee was going to tell her? That, to me, feels like a little excusable, the idea that maybe, like, Eileen and Tom and Lee had said, all right, what's the best way to go about this? Lee, how about you talk to your daughter?
1: Oof. I mean, if that's an excuse, I can excuse Eileen for that. I cannot excuse Tom for that, because Tom should know better.
0: Tom, yeah, Tom, like, cause
1: something. again, at the end of the day, like, because what Tom was worried about last episode was that he and Ivy are very close and he doesn't want to ruin that friendship. Mm-hmm. Like, so he should know. And he does at the end, at the end of last episode that like, this is going to be a thing. Oh yeah. And then Julia's like, have you told her yet? And he basically is like, I'm kind of scared too. <laughs> so it's so I don't excuse I don't excuse Tom 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 should have told her Tom should have told her, and Ivy says so at the end of the episode. <laughs> here's my here's here's what's ugly though. What do you think about like Tom trying to use this drama to help his show?
0: No, Tom is a bad director. Um, I think Tom, I think I think Tom is an inexperienced director that doesn't have any tactics really working with actors. Mm-hmm. So the idea that he's pitting the real drama of, of Lee and Ivy to manipulate the drama of Gladys and of Marilyn. That just, I don't know. It just feels like it's so ugly. It feels like sloppy direction.
1: At the very least, like, pull Ivy aside and be like, okay, this is an awkward situation, but, like, at, at least involve her in the process of what you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. Julia has that line that says directors have a variety of methods to get what they want. If you're not getting the performance you want, find another way. This to me, I feel like in every episode of Smash, there's like a. And here's how Broadway works, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Somebody says like one thing that has like a relationship to actual theater making,
1: (laughs) like like a pop of an industry wisdom. Yes,
0: exactly. Mm -hmm. And so this was our pop of industry wisdom, because also like directors use a variety of methods to get what they want. Yeah, everyone uses a variety of methods to do many things uh-huh. like, fair <laughs> that's real yeah that's that's a
1: non statement uh, yeah and, and and this was not the way this was not the way all right
0: let's <laughs> let's shift let's shift and let's talk about reach for me okay another
1: hit from something corporate how do you like the song I did not like this song I did not I don't like this song? like this song okay no I didn't hate the song I like I mean as a song I didn't mind it so the
0: song the song I guess is fine it's a downer right like it sort of is like it not it didn't go anywhere for me. No. Which is weird because it was also an aerial number, so it obviously went somewhere. <laughs> I
1: mean theoretically. Um,
0: theoretically. Uh-huh. The fact that this number was added to the gala the morning of, is that how galas are put together? Like definitely sure. Like absolutely yeah. like oh oh dang, we're gonna add a number to the gala. Why not? Not an aerial number. Not a
1: number you have to block that morning. You do pre-existing songs. I mean, they even say like, "Can you put this together in time?" And Derek's like, "Sure." I'm just like, "No, you can't," especially when it's not when aerial when it requires a new costume and aerial performers. No, no. And who were these other? Oh,
0: oh, anti-gravity. That's what they called them. Anti-gravity's come up with something really great. They like justified the fact that there was like a whole new troop of people coming to perform that we've never met before, that are gonna crawl all over pianos and then fly through the air. Like,
1: well, and that's my question too. I'm like. If they made this for the gala, is it... How are they going to do it in the show? That's what I'm saying. I'm like, is this even in the show? Do you have aerial work in your show? Like, will there be aerial work in your show? Like, The the ceiling in
0: that re- repurposed church space that they're doing the gala in with the picnic tables yeah. is twice as high as the ceiling in the theater that they are putting Hit List together in at Manhattan Theater Workshop. So, like... I'm not sure. I mean, I I know because I was in that room. There was yeah. no fly space in that room. No. So it's like, Emma, I'm like, how are you? How how do you do aerial if you don't have fly space? Yeah. Or if your ceiling is only twenty feet tall, like then when you're doing like, your
1: silks, you're just like at eye level with everyone yeah. four feet above the floor. <laughs> I mean, because at the end of the day, the gala is just another press event for the show. It, it's actually like a very important press event because they're trying to get donors to give money to the theater. Mm-hmm. But if you're advertising this as the show, you should be doing, doing something, something that from you the are show. capable of doing in the show. You capable capable of doing in the show, right? Yeah. like yeah. like it's like All of these patrons are now going to go to Hit List and be like, Wait, where's the aerial number? Where's the aerial number? Unless there is an aerial number, but I don't think that's true, at least not at the level of the show that it is currently.
0: Spoiler alert, there is no aerial number.
1: (laughs) There you Um, go.
0: (laughs) Seven-year spoiler (laughs) alert, there is no aerial
1: number in Mm -hmm. in Hit List. (laughs) There we go. I wonder if it's also, because of the shuffle around the musical chairs, if you will, of everybody moving from show to show to show, now both shows sort of don't have enough for me to invest in creatively. Does that make sense? Like I'm like I'm in bombshell. I'm still invested because of Ivy, but Tom I question now. Julia's like halfway out the door, especially with this episode. Oh, where yeah. Where she's like about to go help Hitlist out. And like Eileen's doing her best. And then, like, I've been on the journey with Derek, I've been on the journey with Karen, but I'm not invested enough in Jimmy, I'm not invested enough in Kyle to really care about the work that they're doing. And so, are our main characters spread too thin, and therefore our investment is suffering? Interesting. I I never
0: thought about that way, but I would agree. Um, because when I think about Smash Season 2, I think about that beautiful graphic of, like, all of the people that sort of like cut, there's like really sharp vertical lines and you can sort of see them like peering out from like behind um, wings or curtains. It sort of has this feel. Um, And when I look at that graphic, I think, gosh, there's a lot of characters in season two of smash. (laughs) But then here we are, we're halfway through the season and like, There's a significant number of characters we don't know anything about.
1: Well, yeah. I'm like, and I can tell at this point, I'm really supposed to care about Jimmy and the hardship that he's gone through. And I'm, maybe it's because of like the journey that we've had with him from the beginning of season two to now, but like I'm watching him struggle with this friend slash old dealer and I can't feel sympathy for him. I give zero fucks about that. Yeah. And then, like, Kyle's been around for the same amount of time, and I'm like, oh, you're still here? Cool. Yeah, it, like, Jimmy has one note, right? Yeah. Jimmy, as written, has one note. He's
0: bad boy, right? Uh-huh. He's, like, anti-establishment, yeah. <laughs> like, like super genius composer who um, doesn't want to play by the rules, right? Mm-hmm. Kyle has no notes, no, like none. No, there are like. Tell me what Kyle. Tell me a thing about Kyle.
1: He's sleeping with the stage manager.
0: It, the lighting designer. <laughs> lighting like designer. Is, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Uh-huh. Um, that's
1: all I know. Yeah, even
0: Anna, who I think is also poorly written. Mm-hmm. Like I get why she's here. Right. Mm-hmm. We sort of know. Okay, she's gonna play the diva. We're introducing her slowly, and then she's going to become more of a force as the season goes on, right? Uh I am so not clear about why this character of Kyle needs to exist at this point. Yeah.
1: And it's one of those things, like, like, and it's at this point we're on, what, episode nine? Like, it was fun to be like, why is he even here, like, for the first, like, six episodes? But now we're getting to, like, the meat of it, where I'm just like... Feels like a waste of... Like, joking aside, why are you here? Like... (laughs) <laughs> like I had fun teasing you before, but now I'm like, I know you're trying to get me to invest in you, but I can't do it because I, there's not enough there.
0: You haven't done anything. Yeah, mm. it's too
1: bad. And, it, and and
0: this is where Smash is spreading itself thin.
1: And like you said at the beginning of the beginning of the season, like it was so strong top of the season. I think we're at the bottom of the bell curve, or get, or if not, if not there, we're getting there right now.
0: Well, you know why. It's because I show up in the next episode, <laughs> and so it's let it, it's 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 hitting the dregs. And then they were like, "You know what we'll save? Season you know what, two of Smash. what you know
1: what we need? Mo Brady. Morgan Brady. That's what we need." <laughs> 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 to keep up to date with next week's recap, be sure to watch season two, episode ten of Smash called The Surprise Party. You can find Smash episodes on either the NBC app or on NBC.com. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano. And me, Mo Brady. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist
0: right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and the second is by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash The Ensemblist. Please follow
1: The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time.